This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Um, so, you know, it it uh, it didn't look, you know, as, as sharp as it probably could have, um, but I expected that. But I thought he, you know, he competed. Um, he had, you know, his wind was good. Um, you know, 18 and 10, you know, coming back from a layoff like he did, um, you know, was a good night for him. Carl Anthony Towns making his, this was like his fifth game in a year, in, in a calendar year, something like that. Yes, it right? was. Because he hurt his wrist about a year ago. Yep. He's played like five games in, you know, with the, ri- the wrist injuries and COVID and everything else he's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is Reckless Speculation Thursday, every single Thursday on Mackie and Joe, where we bring our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson and he'll join during the show, and uh, we also take your trade ideas and we entertain them. Who says no? Most of the trade suggestions from the last week have involved one specific scenario that that we'll get to at some point. And a quick reminder, you can always listen to the full Mackie and Judd show on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com and the Scornorth app. And you can find uh, large chunks and segments of our show on Scornorth YouTube. You can click that subscribe button. Uh, we have two YouTube channels, Score North and Purple Daily, and uh, we're up over 15,000 subscribers now. So thank you to everyone who has jumped on board to watch our ugly radio and bearded faces. Can you? I, I was watching the game on my personal streaming setup that I think Declan uses one similarly. Yeah. Sometimes yes, you get dude. the road play-by-play for that. I kind of prefer throw it. it out there. Sometimes I prefer it. Oh, I love me some Jim Pete. Oh, no, no. Not for the, not for the basketball oh. broadcast. Those guys are great. <laughs> love them. Just maybe a certain other broadcast. You're out on that one. I'm out on that one. But I love me some Dave Benz and Jim Pete. Oh, we, we, oh I get what you We got some, we got some Benz and, and, and Jim Pete last night. But I missed the part early in the game. I didn't start watching until like further along in the first quarter that Dave Benz had a beauty, you said, Judd? Oh, yeah. Well, poor Benzie. I mean, he is he is trying to sell Benzie. this, right? Like like his job is to is to keep Wolves fans engaged. And he so, is doing the Lord's work. Yeah, yeah. So and, and, <laughs> bow down to Dave Benz. Yeah, it's very, very tough. And so last night, the ball is tipped. It's two-two. NBA game, two-two. The, the Clippers <laughs> miss a shot. I think Kawhi. Kawhi got got off to a poor start. Great game, poor start. Uh, and the Wolves rebound that basketball, and it's two-two. And the Wolves begin to matriculate down the court. And Dave Ben said, Wolves with the ball here. Chance to take a lead. Chance to take the lead. <laughs> Which may, that's the very best it would have been. Five to two. If someone knocks down a jump shot there, you got to go with the Mike Breen. Bang! Oh, my God. And the other problem, the, the poor Ben's, he, the other problem that, that he's got, too, and is in trying to be excited uh, in the second half of, of games. I can't tell you the amount of times so far that I've heard Dave Ben say, "Wolves with, with the ball, chance to chance to get within twelve here, or the Wolves have it down to thirteen here. <laughs> they've shaved it down because yeah, they were they've been down by twenty five. But, but you know what? But he honestly, like it's it's hilarious. But it, it is your job. Ultimately, you're hosting a TV show, right? Yes. As a, as the lead play by play guy for a local sports broadcast, 
you are hosting a TV show. Yes. And part of your job is to get people to watch as long as possible. Now, if the team is good, they do the work for you. Right. You don't have to worry about if it. The, exactly if right. The, if the Twins are hitting bombas and the Twins are up, you know, eight to two in the third inning and Nelson Cruz has four doubles Dick or whatever. Bramer could go tell you to buzz off and you yep. wouldn't. But when your franchise has one playoff appearance in a decade and a half and most of the season has been playing without its top star, Carl Anthony Towns, you might have to do a little exaggerating of you know, how competitive but the situation think is. Think about I mean, the poor guy. Wolves with, with a chance to get within 16. <laughs> they could shave it down to 16 here. Anyway, it was. Oh, I but, love it. But, four, but two to two, chance to take a lead. By the way, those guys, those and I I know Jim Pete better than I know Dave Benz, and I consider Jim Pete a friend. I think you guys probably, he's a friend of the show for sure. Um, but those guys will take requests. I don't know if you saw it last week when the game is out of hand. Yes, which many games are out of hand. Yes, and I asked them last week if they could go through their top five yacht rock songs of all time, and they did entertain the subject for a few minutes on the Wolves broadcast. So, if you're looking for things for them to talk about, just <laughs> yeah. tweet at them during the game, and, both and they might said, entertain it. Said your name. It was very impressive. Appreciate Jim the shout Pete out. Did Ben's yep. did uh, Jim Pete remains to me. The best in, in town, because here's what I love. If things aren't going well, Jim Pete will find a way to tell, find a way around it to tell you why without without calling out names of coaches, okay? Yeah, he's not going to sit there and savage Ryan Saunders by exactly name. Exactly right, but. and he can't, and that, that's fine. But the other thing is, is if Benz gets too excited in, in a particular time when it is just clear, you know, Wolves can, Wolves are within... 15, Jim Pete lays out completely, says nothing, because he just knows it's hopeless. Yeah, you can't, I mean, you can't feed into it too much. Nope, nope, nope. But I mean, yes, Jim Pete is great. And uh, and uh, did, now he, they, they did bring up the topic last night, to your point, and it was really, really sad. Beth, best sixth man in Timberwolves history. Wow, because I saw they were going over and some, they went some of the, the Clippers, list. six men. That's, yeah. The Clippers have had Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams, and some. And I think that's how it started. The best sixth men in Wolves history. I'm not first. I'm trying to think of because at at some points Wally Zerbiak was a sixth man, and they, he and his name was uh, broached, and I think he's something like third on, on the list of points or something. Troy Hudson had been a sixth yep. man at times, and and he was. I mean, Troy that, was Peeler. Peeler was, a, I think, a starter. I don't for think the Peeler's majority. name came up. He was about split. He, but Peeler was definitely a sixth man type of player that yeah. at certain times during the KG era, they had backups that were in in starting roles. Joe Smith was a sixth man at one point. The, I don't think he was always The sad starting. thing was that the first name that came to my, my mind is atop the scoring list of sixth men in Wolves history Sam Mitchell. Yeah. He was a good six man. No, he was, he was fine. This is for this some is playoff teams. Nothing against Sam. This is the fact that it's the first name that came to my my mind because he is the first one that I recall, and he still remains. Was that Doug list. was Doug West a sixth man or was he a starter? He was now a starter. we're going way back. Uh, Doug, Doug West was a starter. And, yeah. and Crawford, when he did He's here the lone season, he was here. He did. He like single handedly won them a couple games with a, with a couple clutch shots late. Oh, very much so. JJ Barea, what about him as a oh, sixth man? Do, if I could, of, of okay, now you've all got the seen. players in Wolves history that drive me crazy, JJ Barea is number one. Because sure. JJ Barea, when he would get on the court, because he had one good playoff run with the Mavericks like 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and he would get on the court, and in his mind, he was six foot seven and Kobe Bryant. But he would constantly like go into traffic and get rejected by the underside of the backboard and dribble around and take shots with four other guys on the court that probably could have had a better chance. But he was a, a decent sixth man for a couple minutes. Sam Mitchell. So what? what is that play? That's the one thing about basketball I don't get. What is the play where, where and it probably goes, extends from the pros to the lunch hour game. The dude that thinks, I'm going to drive the lane and I'm going to either score, I'm going to take it to the rack or get fouled. And inevitably, <laughs> this dude gets the ball stolen every time. That's J.J. Barea. Yeah, but I mean, I saw a lot. Who, who did it last <laughs> night for the Wolves? So, somebody else, like, I'm going to drive. And sure enough, the I mean, ball Ant, just. Ant Edwards does it sometimes. Yeah, but I feel like he's got the ability to at least try it. 
But, uh, when, when Jake Lehman does it, it's almost always ex- a steal. Exactly. But, I mean, it's just like, and now here come the Clippers with the ball. <laughs> yeah, when whenever I see Jake Lehman, and Jake Lehman has some some good attributes, and he's actually played pretty well for the most part this year. But he, he just reminds me of, like, uncoordinated guy in the gym game. You know, oh, all right, totally. I guess we'll take that guy. And he's like, he's like okay, he's, 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 a, little shot bit, he's a little bit better. Eh, he shoots like 30%. Yeah, it's, it, 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 his shot looks good, but yeah. it doesn't. It's a little bit like oh, it's um, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe Kalsher, yeah, poor Gabe Kalsher. Yeah. But anyways, I want I wanted to broach this with you guys here because I have something to say about the Timberwolves that I I think it's going to upset fans. I think it's going to have you bashing your head into a wall, um, and it actually goes a little bit against what I said on yesterday's show, which is like it's listen, you can't you can't be thinking about trading Carl Anthony Towns, and I am still I am still advocating for. If you get to the point where you're going to trade Carl Anthony Towns, just move the franchise because I and a lot of fans don't want to do it all over again. But I think now that we wake up this morning and they have the worst record in the NBA, they're 5-16, and 16, they officially have the worst record in the NBA. I know that Towns came back last night, and at some point D'Lo is going to come back from his sore legs, whatever he's dealing with, and you're going to have those guys on the court. And you're going to get to watch them, and, and the full product is going to be out there. And so in theory, the team should be better when that happens. Despite that, the Wolves should have one mission and one mission only in mind if they want to save this franchise and turn this thing around in a three- to five-year window. You have to tank again. You have to tank the rest of the season as much as you possibly can. Because if you don't get... And by the way, this draft is better than last year's draft. Mm-hmm. And there are there are... Players at the top of this draft that are, at least according to people that uh, have better scouting eyes than I do, that could be franchise-changing players. If you don't land a top three pick, you lose that pick to Golden State. Yes. And I think the downside of that, coupled with the upside, the 14% chance of getting the number one overall pick, again, for a second straight year, you brought up on last week's shows, well, you know, what is the thing that's going to keep Towns here long term what's the thing that's gonna if we think D'Lo is just kind of a bust as a max player what is the thing that's gonna you know drive some energy for this franchise and I think Ant Edwards still has a ton of potential there he's doing some things on the court the last couple weeks that look like number one overall pick things I'm not ready to say like a lot of other people are saying that well I mean LaMelo Ball is clearly the best player and then James Wiseman I mean it might shake out that way when it's all said and done I think Ant Edwards is still on track to be a really really good player but if you can get another guy at number one or number two and put him with, then it then it lessens what you need from D'Lo. And you've got two guys under control for the next five years in Ant and whoever you would draft in the top three mm-hmm. to pair with Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. I think that's your only way out because you're not going to sign a free agent. You're not going to trade D'Lo for like first round picks. Mm-hmm. Your only way out is to add a top three pick player in this upcoming draft. You have to tank the rest of the season. <laughs> If that means Towns sitting out for like mental health reasons or something, I'm, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Well, like yeah. then I think he, he can play too. I think it's fine. I well, think that I mean, if he lose. needs if, if he needs to just like take some maintenance days, I'm saying <laughs> you need to do whatever okay. you can to keep your pick and to increase your percentage chance. Nice thought, but it's the Wolves. You know how this book ends. You know how, how the story of the Timberwolves 2021 campaign concludes, right? It concludes with, they do tank, they're terrible, they've got a great chance, and the year after the year after they get the top overall pick, they have easily probably the worst record, and they get the fourth pick, and it goes to Golden State. Their percentage chance right now. You know what? So you know if, that's going to end this If way. the season ended right now, yeah. so just the, the, the lottery odds are new as of a few years ago. So instead of getting a 22 or 25% shot at the number one pick, the top they've smoothed it out and they've made it just a little bit more fair across the board. So the first three teams in the lottery order, so the worst three teams right mm-hmm. now are Minnesota, Detroit, and Washington. And all three of those teams have a 14% chance at the number one overall pick, a 13% chance at the number two, and then a, a like a 12.7% chance at the number three. And so the Wolves have a 60% chance of landing the fourth or the fifth. They can't fall out further than five. But if they fall out of the three, it goes to the Warriors. Correct. So right now, even as the worst team in the NBA with the best lottery odds, the Timberwolves have 
a 60% chance of losing that pick to Golden State. Yes. So I think, and by the way, if they're second or third, um, they would still have the same percentage chance of losing that pick to Golden State. So they, they need to finish in the bottom three to give themselves the best chance to stay in the bottom three and keep that pick. Because if they lose that pick, like, answer me this. If they don't get to pick a player in this year's draft, their next shot, barring some crazy trade where you keep Towns and get, like, a secondary star that's better than D'Lo, which I don't see your path to doing that right. outside of a top three draft pick. If you don't get to pick in the top three this year, mm-hmm. your next shot is 2022, and another season will have gone by, and Towns will be that much closer to just being able to call his shot That's what I think, and yeah. hit free agency at some point. Yes, I, so you, I, I, and then if he leaves, like, what's the state of your franchise? Who owns the team? The state is the province of Quebec. Is it too much of you a are stretch? The Quebec Timberwolves. Is it too much of a stretch to say that if you don't keep your pick, if you don't tank and give yourselves the best chance to keep that pick? Yeah that this franchise goes back to absolute, like, it's in rebuild mode now, but without Carl Anthony Towns in two years. I'm telling you. And is gone from the state of Minnesota. I'm telling you, with the with the fortune or misfortune that this franchise has been beset with, I think that there is a, that the, the, law, of, the law of Wolves averages tell me they're going to get the fourth pick. It goes to Golden State. And if it does transpire like that, I firmly believe that Cat will Cat will ask out at some point. Then it might not be immediately, but if they don't get a top three pick, I think that the I think that Cat is at least going to broach uh, privately some thought about. I think it might be time for me to go elsewhere. Actually, I, reckless speculation. I gotta say, I I think if it gets to that point with Cat, I don't think he's going to be private about it. I don't think he's. I don't think he's been private about a lot of things this year. No, I think he might chirped sh- Shams on Twitter yeah. last night because the, the, someone from the Wolves must have leaked to Shams. He was chirping the Wolves through Shams because Shams had accurate information that Cat didn't like being out there. Yeah, if you missed this last night, so Shams tweeted out: Carl Anthony Towns expected to make his return tonight, and Towns retweeted, and I'm paraphrasing: News to me. I last I checked, I was going to test it out and see how it felt pregame. Pre-existing conditions plus COVID recovery don't mix well or something. And so I'm going to guess that Shams got that from someone with the Wolves. Probably not someone super close to Cat in terms of him or his agent. Otherwise, he would have just texted Shams off to the side, right? That was weird. That was, yeah. a, that was a weird chirp. Felt like there was tension. Oh, I, I think that there was. I, I think the Wolves, I think the person that leaked that to Shams is, is like, he seems to be fine now. He, he can play. And then Carl, who obviously, for very good um, reasons, is extremely sensitive to the topic of COVID, probably thought that's an assumption that people shouldn't be making about me until I declare myself fit to play. Um, I would not be surprised at all if we find out here pretty soon that there is some, how can I put this without being completely reckless? Speculation. I would not be surprised if we find out that there might be some growing underlying tension here, just because the team continues to be so bad, and and I think that naturally causes problems. And look, right or wrong, everything in Cat's world right now is a big deal. And so, so I think that we look at the Twitter exchange and probably from a distance think, "Oh, come on, you know, okay." But, but he played. Um, and I think because things are so sensitive in Cat's world, he thinks, no, that's a big deal, and I don't like that being out there. I'm just saying, I don't think you could be this bad and this um, in this big of disarray basketball-wise and not have it begin to reflect internally. If they, just back to my question, if they lose that pick, mm-hmm. what is the path to them being relevant in the Western Conference. I th- I think the path has to be that D'Lo is just a lot better over the next year and a half than he's been because Cat is back and they're on the court together yeah, for like the say, fourth time ever. Can they play together then? Uh, that Ant would take steps forward. And, and by the way, Jaden McDee looks great and uh, might be the steal of the draft. My guy. Energizer De- Bunny Declan's blocking shots. Guy. He guy. called this a month ago. I did. Two Na- months ago. Naz Reed has been great. Yep. I mean, they've got some, they've got some a nice pieces backup. here. 
He's a really nice player. And so, like, the path would be all these guys internally sort of grow in and are are coached up better and are put in better spots. Maybe there's a coaching change. If, 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 like, I think Ryan deserves a chance now that Cat's back to put D'Lo and Cat on the floor and execute his vision. But, you know, that's not an extremely long leash, I wouldn't think. But what's the path? Is that the, is there another path that can, I'm not can seeing? D'Lo, can D'Lo play the path that you just said? Can he do that? Like, if he plays with Cat, who can he be? Because without Cat, we've seen quite a bit to say, okay, he really can't be the guy for sure. But, like, if you put them together and teamed them up, as was the plan when the trade with Golden State was made, who can he be? Can he be the guy that we thought that day? I think I think that the biggest missing piece to all of this is the pick-and-roll game between D'Lo and Cat. I mean, that is at the centerpiece of what they want to do offensively. Pick, D'Lo is, is a very good pick-and-roll guard, and Cat is one of the most versatile pick-and-roll big men in that he can, he can pop from three better than any seven-footer in the game, and he can roll and get his shot at the rim. And so putting those guys on the court, running pick and roll, and then having some shooters and some athletic uh, slashing sort of combo players around them, I think that's the vision. And they haven't had a chance to execute it, so it's a little bit hard to fully say, but I just think there's such a huge difference. If you were to add another player in the top three, then it would feel like, okay, there's some real momentum happening, even though you know they've been one of the worst teams in the NBA. Sure. And if you whiff on that, it just then it just kind of boils down to, D'Angelo Russell being a lot better than he's been. And if he's not, then you're just sort of stuck for a couple of years until you can get out from underneath that contract. And I will add this. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to be able to get out from underneath that contract unless you attach a first round pick to it. So it's, it's all, it's all on two things. Well, three things, coaching D'Angelo getting better and you keeping that top three pick. If if you can if if those three things oh, happen yeah. now there's a real bright future. But so if, I think as far as your point about coaching goes too, the conclusion that I've come to when it comes to coaching and especially with Cat is this: um, Tibbs was too much, way too much. He drives people too too much. I I think his style works with some people today, and I think it worked great uh, twenty five years, thirty years back. But I think the thing with Cat especially is Ryan is almost too much his friend. I think you need to find a parental figure coach. John Calipari. Who doesn't ride his ass. Yeah, right. But 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 like a dad, but like a nice dad. Because I think, I, I don't think Cat is capable of being the guy as far as the dominant force personality. I just don't think that that's him. I think he, he needs, and this is not a rip. I think he needs a support system in place. So he can't walk into the room and say, I've got this, guys. I think he needs to feel emboldened. So, like, a Cal would do that. I think Ryan is too much of a shoulder uh, to lean on at times and probably too much of, of his friend. So, yes, I think that the key for Cat is going to be to find a coach who doesn't ride him but knows how to push the buttons correctly and can be sort of just a sounding board for him. The Calipari thing, I've always looked at it from like outside of a Wolves perspective and like, I don't know, his his tenure with the Nets 20 years ago is such a train wreck and yes. he just feels like such a college coach. Yes. Um, but, you know, so many of these players are so young and he's got a connection with Carl Anthony Towns. That might actually, I don't know if it would be a fit in, you know, 25 other franchises, but it could actually be a, a discussion here at some point if he ever had a desire to come back to the NBA. And there's been rumors that he does. On the Wolves, every Thursday on our show, we do a deep dive into old tweets from the past. We do. We've uh, we've been tweeting for about 11 or 12 years now. Judd and I have. Declan has been tweeting for, I don't know, the better part of a decade or so. Uh, and Declan says for old tweets exposed today, he is a Wolves-themed edition here. So let's see who oh, has it could, worse. This could un- unearth Boy. some ugly mackiness. Boy, we'll start with Phil Mackey. Hopelessly optimistic over here. Oh, my God. The fourth quarter Wolves are a conference <laughs> semis team. Fight me. This was tweeted as the very 
provocative dance from our guy Karanthi Towns yeah. on December 23rd, 2020. <laughs> oh, my okay. God. Listen, there wasn't the sarcasm <laughs> font for oh. this. There oh, wasn't the oh sarcasm. Look, okay. look at the time. You can look see at the, the pelvic okay. thrust. Dude, look, look at the time. You can see with the Carl Anthony Towns yes. pelvic thrust gif, I was clearly tongue pressed in cheek in. when I tweeted this. No, I know. Okay. You You were into a uh, a fine drink that night. The people that responded to me did not pick up my my oh. potential exaggeration Fight of the Wolves' me. first two games. Fight me. They did look really good the first couple games. They did. I, I Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm damning, too. I have... I'm not alone. We do have to go a little bit back to uh, <laughs> the summer, I believe, of 2019 from a Judd column. Oh, nice. It all seemed too good to be true. And ultimately, because these are the Timberwolves, it was Judd Zoll get out oh. of the Wolves, not landing D'Angelo Russell, who they did eventually land. I'm, the article, unfortunately, is, is gone because of the migrating from 1,500 to score. But this was tweeted at 7 a.m. on July 1st. 2019. Why was I tweeting at 7 a.m.? Was it? I don't know. Sick? It might have been a scheduled. No, tweet. no. Seth put this. Yeah, Seth probably. put this tweet out. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. So, so what you're saying here is, boy, the Wolves almost landed D'Lo, yep. and of course, because they're the Wolves, they weren't able to land. Thinking D'Lo. that he was going to be, well, yes, in uh, it didn't in Brooklyn, work. It Golden didn't State. work out both ways. That's okay. I mean, in retrospect. I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna keep casting shade on D'Lo because he he deserves being able to play with Carl Anthony Towns before I cast all of all of my shade. But there are there are questions. There's more shade to come. Is that what you're telling? And us? I am not, and I am not gonna cave into the Warriors fans just because Andrew Wiggins has turned into like a decent role player. Okay, we'll see what happens with the pick. Those Warriors fans will will come after us. Role player is correct, by the way. They will. Gotta be careful. Declan Goff, December 26, 2020. <laughs> you win. It's Jerry Shoulders League, and we're all living in it. 12 likes. Some people must have liked this. It's like this a week. month and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> You win. Excuse me. Jared Culver's league. Jared Culver had like 10 rebounds in a game, and I, we, we like were the, all drinking the Kool-Aid. He was, he was like the star of the show in that 2-0 start. And, uh, oh, yeah, the uh, jazz game, right? Day after the Christmas. The jazz game, he was great. I was probably a couple couple seltzers in the day after Christmas here. Oh, you were here. a couple. Jared Culver's couple. league, and we're you know, all just, just a couple. He was, okay, he was what, the, what is he, the sixth overall pick? Sounds right. Yes, he was they, traded the, up. they traded up to sixth again. Yeah, he was the sixth overall pick. That's correct. Um. So he can't really shoot, but he hasn't been. He's an energy guy. He can get to the rim. He can play some defense. He rebounds. Like, I don't think he's a complete bust. I think a Kogi is a. We were talking about this before the show. I mean, they weren't even guarding a Kogi last night. Mm-hmm. Like they, they literally just said, "Dude, you can go wherever." He you just want. can't shoot. We just we hope they throw you the ball and you try to throw it at the rim, and then he does. Yeah. And Culver also can't really shoot, but he's not quite as useless offensively as as a Kogi. The difference, obviously, is a Kogi was like the twenty second pick, and when you have a top six pick that can't. New rule of thumb: if you're drafting in the top six or top seven, if you're going to draft a player that can't shoot, that player better be amazing at some other things. Yeah, yep. You know, like better be seven feet tall or something. I don't know. I don't know what this deal is with the Wolves drafting players that can't. You know, Kogi was a Tom Thibodeau draft pick. And right. then, but then he also drafted um, Chris Dunn. Like, the Wolves are on this run of drafting players high that they have to fix their broken jump shots. I don't know. Well, because he, he took Dunn be, be, because Dunn was so good defensively that they thought that they had their lockdown guy. And yeah. Dunn's not where? With, with the Hawks? No, the Bulls still, I believe. Oh, oh no. Okay. He did go to the Hawks. Yeah, I thought, I thought he right. got so, yeah. So he's already bouncing around. Yeah, it's not been a... Uh, so I think Declan wins this week's oh, edition I of. Don't think it's close. Old tweets exposed. So Jared Culver's league, baby. It is. We're all, we're all living in it. We're all living in his world. All right, let's uh, let's get our friend Doogie in here for some inside information about our favorite local sports teams. Mackie and Judd on ScoreNorth.com and the Score North app. Reckless speculation. But one one was good enough. Uh, like I said, I'm happy where I am. Um, Definitely, I'm not thinking about retirement yet. Um, I guess uh, when you think about retirement, it's about ending, you know? And I don't want to put that in my mind going to the season. That is a 40-year-old slugger, Nelson Cruz, who uh, the Twins made it official yesterday, and uh, and he did a Zoom press conference. So we'll, we'll talk about Nelson Cruz, who, who Doogie just actually had uh, a lengthy discussion with Nelson Cruz's agent for the Scoop podcast. Every Thursday, Reckless Speculation Thursday, our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports 
department. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams, which you can also find on the Scoop Podcast, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. And this segment is presented by Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which recently launched, for any of you business owners out there, My Shield, which is the online client destination for risk management resources. If you're a business owner, think about how helpful it would be for you to have employee training at your fingertips, industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. Click on My Shield or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Doogie, what's going on, man? Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Valentine's Day weekend. Mm. Let me just go on the record to say I love both of you. All three of you, in fact. Declan's here, too. So, Declan, I love you, too. We love you, too. I need some love. We love you, too, man. I like you a lot. It's been a weird stretch, right? I mean, (laughs) seriously, laughs aside, you know, the 37-year-old reporter, Mm -hmm. the the NFL reporter from Yahoo, suddenly passes away. Yeah, the other day, Pedro Gomez, not even 60 years old, passes away. Man, it's just it's it's an odd time right now. Siku really Smith from NBA uh, TV, yeah, just a uh, just a bonkers bonkers time here. Um, yeah, and so like I'm serious when I say like I don't think we we tell each other how much we appreciate you know one another and how much genuine love there is. You know, a lot of this stuff comes out after the fact, right? Like you read all these stories about you know Seku and you read all these stories about the the NFL reporter like after they're gone. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I want the audience to be able to hear that, 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 you know, all three of us have relationships that go back a long time. Phil and Judd, you know, the, the three of us go back a really long time. So we should I'm wait. genuine when I say it. I love you guys. Can we make it, really can we make a JJ's clubhouse run here sometime in the next few weeks? To. for? A- yeah. Yeah. I'd love to throw them $20 and lose on pull tabs. Like I always <laughs> do. So yes, let's if play we do. That. Yeah, sure. I'm ready right now. It'll be Judd's first time having a, a drink in a bar in about, in about a year. Uh, I, I don't know. He says he didn't drink at uh, brunch the other weekend. But I don't know. We're trying to no, I swear to God, I did not. If he's lying. I was covering that, the game that, that, that night, and I did not drink. The wild <laughs> mimosa still... is alcohol, Judd. I know it's a no, lot of No, I'm not a mimosa. No, you, you know what? Mimosa, that not a champagne. Count. Not a champagne guy. The fruit doesn't cancel out the alcohol. I know, no. So. Champagne, overrated, don't like it, <laughs> not good for my head. Doogie, let's start out. We have a million things to get to here, but let's start out with some Viking mm-hmm. stuff. So it was, uh, and you tell us whatever you know on this, but uh, it sounds like Riley. Re- so Riley Reef was was within like a few snaps of hitting a one million dollar or whatever the bonus was for snaps last year. The Vikings, in good faith, have come out today and have given him a one million dollar signing bonus because he missed Week 17 on the COVID list, so he missed his bonus. So they gave him a one million dollar signing bonus. Um, what do you know about that, and what does that mean for for Riley Reef's chances to stay with the Vikings? They they arm wrestled him and twisted his arm into taking less money so they could squeeze Unique and Gakway under the cap last year, and they ruffled his feathers. So, what's the future of Riley Reef? My sense before today's news was he would be back. So today's news further confirms my belief. You have really cool gesture by by the Wilfs. Like he gets put on the COVID list. If if he doesn't get put on the list that week 17 game early January in Detroit, he would have played the the necessary snaps. I mean, he's durable. It's not like he gets hurt. So if he had just played that game, he would have reached that extra one million dollar threshold. You know, so it was just it was unfortunate he lands on the COVID list, doesn't play week 17. So cool gesture by by the Vikings. But why this this further confirms my belief is unless I'm reading it wrong, but but this one million. So let's say they made a move on on Reef in March and wanted to save some money. This one million dollars then would be an extra one million of dead money on the 2021 cap. So there already would be a dead money hit of of four to five ish million on Reef if the Vikings cut him. So now you add another million on top of that. Like they need a left tackle. I don't know if we know at this point that Ezra Cleveland is a legit left tackle. You know, maybe Ezra is better at guard. Like, you feel pretty good about Reef at left tackle, Brian O'Neill, who needs to get paid here pretty quick. He's a free agent after this year. So I know they want to keep him long-term. So that's the next big contract to look at. But, like, you feel pretty good about Reef at left tackle, Brian O'Neill at right tackle. They still need to figure out some interior stuff. But with those two tackles, I think you can win a lot of games. So, I yeah, I do think that Riley Reef is 
is back this year. So today's news just further confirms that. And this this probably starts to take us down the path, correct, of, of the fact that they're going to have to go to Reef now and restructure for 2021. And I think if the lasting impression in um, in contract talks with, with Reef had basically been beating him up to take a pay cut, that's probably not a good impression. So it makes sense to give him this now as as a sweetener to then go back and say, let's extend you through, let's say, 2022, Dukes. Um, and and give you uh, more security, but for less dollars. That's my guess. Yeah, and you know what, Judd? That's, that's a great guess. I don't know if you guys do points for, for, for great theories. I know you do points for no. great questions. But, no, we don't, but unfortunately. That, a really, really good theory there, Judd. Doesn't count. <laughs> You're right. Okay, well, I was trying to help you, Judd there because I think I, it is. He went on his way to buzz me, and, not, and I'm supposed to love him? <laughs> Yeah, I, I give you know him what? at least You're a half off my a Valentine's Day list. <laughs> yeah, Let, let's not forget that that Riley really likes it here. Like, I don't know if he wants to go anywhere else, right? South Dakota guy, Iowa. You know, it's relatively quiet here. Yeah, yep. his history in college at, at the University of Iowa. I don't think he's he's ready to pack up and head to Jacksonville, right? Like Jacksonville needs a left tackle. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ready to pack up and go play for Urban Meyer and head down to Florida and play in Jacksonville. I think. All things relatively equal. Riley Reef wants to be a Viking. Yeah, and he's you know he's he's thirty two. He's kind of teetering a little bit on the edge of his prime. And last year, I think I just want to I'm, I'm just to confirm that I'm not wrong on this. It felt like last year was his best year as a Viking uh, in the four years, according to Pro Football Focus. 2018 was his best rating, but last year was his best pass protection year as a Viking, and they need as much of that as they can get. So, like, we're, uh, just spoiler alert, on Purple Daily today, I've got a couple ideas. I'm going to float by these guys about where they can clear some cap space, including one radical idea. And Riley Reef is not really on that list. Like, you might you might be able to save 2 or $3 million to the cap, but getting rid of him would open up so many other problems. You should start with the pillars that you have, find a left guard, and go forward if you want to win in 2021, Doogie. I'm with you. And realistic options, I mean, maybe you can offer a little bit more of a teaser on, on what you talked about for, for Purple Daily, uh, Daily. but Kyle Rudolph, I mean, that's that's a given. Uh, Kyle Rudolph's not going to be here this year. Dan Bailey, they can save a little bit on him. Cole they quit. can save a little bit on the punter, Cole Quit. I mean, those those three would be at the top of, of my list, I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Bailey is gone, right? Now... Bailey's gone. Sure. Oh, yeah, Bailey's gone. So we, we continue the Zim cycle of kickers. This, he He's ruined them all. Hey, we, he waited. He gave him a chance to, to come back, no, make some but kicks. I mean, honest to know? God, honest to God, how? why is kicker, why do we come back to this being the one spot where where young and, and old, there is there is no d- discrimination here in basically sabotaging careers. Zim can take you if you're just out of college or if you're my age, 51, and he can psychologically ruin you if you're a kicker. And it's Greg Joseph, right? He signs the other day, signs a futures contract with a good portion of of his base salary guaranteed. I mean, that's why I think Joseph sticks with with that guarantee, Bailey out in in the coming weeks. Joseph has a little bit of a history in in the NFL, but there's some better kickers available. If you look at the free agent list, Atlantis kicker is a free agent. Heck, Suckup, who just kicked for Tampa in the Super Bowl, is a free agent. There are better kickers out there, but the issue is – like the Vikings just don't have a, a lot of ability to be uber aggressive in free agency. Yeah, uh, Doogie, let's let's go over the Twins here. So Nelson Cruz is back, and it looks like the roster is is mostly intact here. Um, what's left for them this off season? Is the, is this it pretty much? Are the, is there another? Is there a trade to be made for a starter? Where are you at here in terms of uh, what what the Twins will or won't do before spring training? They certainly have engaged teams on on the possibility of a trade. The Reds and Marlins would be two teams that I'm aware of, but I think a trade is more realistic in the summer. Like, let's see where they're at on July 20th, heading into the into the July 31st non-waiver deadline. I think that's a bit more realistic on on the trade front, but they're still engaged on on some starting pitchers. Like, if you go back the last few years, Phil, you might know top of your head better than me, but like, I feel like. In a normal 162-game season, 2019-2018, under this regime, they've used like 10 or 11 starting pitchers for myriad reasons, oftentimes injuries. But like over the course of a, of a full regular season, they end up using like double-digit starting pitchers. They don't have double-digit starting pitchers right now. 
You know, Lewis Thorpe is out of option, so maybe they end up keeping him. But even if you count him and you count Smeltzer and you count Dobnak, that's what? Like eight? I don't know if any of those prospects are quite ready after not after not doing anything, you know, for the most part outside of being over at the alternate site. I don't think a lot of these prospects are ready uh, this particular year after after not doing much in 2020, including Duran. Like, I, he might not be ready. Maybe he is middle of the summer, but, like, if you need an extra starter May, early June, that might be pretty aggressive even for, for Duran. So they are still in the market for a starting pitcher. My sense is mostly on their terms. Like, if James Paxton still wants $12 million for, for this year, they are not doing that. If Jake Odorizzi is looking for north of Jay Hat money and, and Quintana money, you know, north of eight to nine million dollars. You know, I, I don't think they're going to do that, even though they've they've had a number of discussions going back months with with the Odorizzi camp. Here's what I can tell you: I'm I'm burying the the lead here a little bit to your question. The Twins have an offer out right now to Matt Shoemaker, free agent Matt Shoemaker, former Angel. I think he started a playoff game for for Toronto last year. Maybe you can look that up and verify that. I'm I'm doing that top of my head. But there's there's something there now. Is he a guy that that even usurps Pineda? No, or or usurps Hap? Probably not. But could he beat out Dobnak? Probably. So like he could slot in as as a number five. Dobnak still has at least one option, right? So if you want to start Dobnak at at AAA and just have him as a reinforcement, the point is that that coming off this really weird year, the the shortened season, like you're going to need pitching reinforcements more than ever, that there is a, a line of thinking that, that a lot of these pitchers, after minimal work over the last calendar year, are going to break down more so than a normal year. So if in a normal year, the Twins end up using 10 or 11 starting pitchers, like if I had to set an over-under, I'd set it at 10.5 or 11.5. Like the Twins are going to need 11 or 12 starting pitchers hmm. this year. Now, can they have a bullpen game here and there? Sure. You know, so – you know, one of the 10 or 11 could be, you know, you name the the guy in the bullpen that starts and, and pitches, you know, two and one-third innings or two innings or or whatever it is. But they're still in the market for starting pitchers. So I would not be shocked. Maybe it doesn't happen, you know, tomorrow or, or Saturday. My sense on Shoemaker is he's got a few offers. Now, I don't know if they're all minor league offers, if there is a major league offer there. Like Brandon Kinsler just signed a minor league offer. So – like guys might sign minor league contracts with the thinking that they'll eventually make the 26 man roster, you know, but I don't know if the twins have made shoemaker or a major league offer or a minor league offer, but I'm told the twins have, have an offer on the table for, for shoemaker. I was told that they've, they've engaged this, this pitcher from Korea, you know, so they've, they've kicked the tires on, on a bunch of guys. They were at Jake Arietta's showcase last week. I don't have a sense that they've made him an offer, but, but they are still doing their, their due diligence on on arms. They're they're at a showcase here in the coming days. Chaz Rowe, he's more a reliever, but he's a free agent uh, reliever that that throws a lot of sliders. They'll watch him. Uh, the former Yankees uh, reliever, former Philly Robertson, has a showcase today. I haven't verified that the Twins will be there, but I expect them to to have a presence there in 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 Alabama today for for Robertson. So they are still doing all sorts of homework. We should find out on Shoemaker, by the way like in the next 24 to 48 hours, like he's got a few offers. They might all be minor league offers for all I know, but he's got a few offers. So it's not a guarantee that he's going to take the twins offer, but I'm told the twins have made him an offer. How close did Cruz come to actually not returning to the twins? You know what? Not, not particularly close. Judd. Yeah. I went back and forth with his agent, Bryce Dixon for, for 30 minutes just now. Clearly the, the lack of, of, Clarity on, on the National League adopting the DH certainly hurt negotiations. They knew before it leaked that the Twins had made an offer to, to Marcelo Ozuna. They also didn't sense that Ozuna was going to take the Twins' offer. The Twins were not willing to do four years, $65 million for Marcelo Ozuna, what he ended up getting to, to re-sign in Atlanta. So they didn't feel the pressure of the Twins making that offer to, to Ozuna, but they just felt like that third offer the Twins made like that was a take it or leave it. You know, they tweaked some of the some of the incentives. I, I tweeted out some of the incentives, or actually all of them yesterday. You know, the money for you know even finishing sixth place MVP. You know, winning a Silver Slugger, making the All Star team. Like he can he can earn he can earn another you know six figures in in incentives. You know, especially with the Silver Slugger, I think that's realistic if he stays healthy. He can earn another six figures in 
in incentives, but 13 million base. I mean, the, the twins weren't budging off that. They started pretty low in October, went up a little bit in, in like late November, right around Thanksgiving, early December. Then they went up a third time, you know, going back, you know, 12 to 14 days ago. And then, you know, the offer was there on that Thursday or Friday. You know, Nelly thought about it. I think the news ended up leaking like that next Monday or, or Tuesday that, that he accepted it. But the Twins had made that third offer a few days prior. But there were teams involved. Like Bryce said, the White Sox, you know, were, were engaged. That was before they signed Liam Hendricks and never got to the point of, of the White Sox making a firm offer. The Dodgers had legit interest, but they weren't going to extend a legit offer without knowing that the DH was going to come to the National League. Yeah. The Braves had legit interest, but same deal. The Braves weren't going to do that. The Texas Rangers had interest, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense for Nelson Cruz to go to a team that, that we pretty much know is not contending for for a playoff spot. This year never got to the point of the Rangers making an offer, but there were there were a number of teams engaged on Nelly, but I think the, the two sides have have so much love for each other that that this was almost darn near inevitable. As ugly as it got at times, you know, and Bryce thought there there were there was a moment that, that this was not going to cross the finish line, but the two sides have so much, you know, respect for each other and 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 it's it's mutual love that that I, I think this was always going to happen. It just got ugly at different points where I just wanted to to you know, get Twins fans ready for the possibility, at least raise the possibility that this wouldn't happen. Yeah. But I think both sides really thought in the end this would happen. You know, I, the, the the big preface here is if everyone stays healthy, the Twins have, I think, a better team on paper. You could you could pick some nits at the pitching, but like the fact that they added Andrelton Simmons, but if everyone stays healthy, this team has a chance to maybe be better than it was last year. The question I have the most is Josh Donaldson's calf. Do you have any information on how the Twins feel about his chronic calf injuries? He's got his number 20 back. He's a new man. He's got his old jersey number back. Bringer of rain 20. Oh, that's right. He's, he's ready to go. <laughs> they've talked to Josh Rocco and the training staff. They've, they've had conversations with Josh this winter about, you know, different methods that, that they can help him, you know, stay, stay healthier than he was last year. I think that's going to end up entailing him not playing 148 games at third base, that, that he is going to get some at-bats at the DH spot, that they can mix and match, you know, with, with the depth that they have. I mean, that's going to be part of it. You know, maybe even give him, you know, maybe more days off than he's had in years past. I mean, he's in his mid-30s. It's not like Josh Donaldson is a young guy. You know, they gave him four years, $92 million. I mean, they need to find a way to keep him on the field, not only this year, but in 2022 and 2023. So so those conversations absolutely have taken place. Let me also go back to, to Cruz. He had a big hand in, in helping Alex Colome end up committing here. That that they have a relationship going back to Seattle. One of Nelly's cousins is is apparently uh, per Nelly's agent, super close to Colome. I'll tell you this much. I took a phone call yesterday from an agent who represents a free agent reliever. He's pissed off that Colomay took that offer from the Twins, that he feels like the wow. Twins stole Colomay, that it now hurts his negotiating stance, <laughs> that, that if Colomay took <laughs> oh, that deal, you know, his reliever, I think he would agree with this, his reliever is maybe a tier below Colomay. He just feels like Colomay taking that deal from the Twins now hurts his his negotiating stance. So that Colomay contract, a big-time win for the Twins, and a tip of the hat to Nelly Cruz for helping get that deal over the top. Players are not in a position for at least 2021 to get greedy. Like the, these guys are going to have to come to the to the realization pretty soon here that you're not going to play for what you thought you were going to. So like, but there are contracts, Judd. Smiley got twelve and a half million dollars. Charlie Morton, who Tre- I like, Trevor May got, got like sixteen over two. But, but what's the key there? Those are all done. I'm saying right now. I'm saying if you're still out, out there now, I, I think there has to be an acceptance that the clock is ticking. Teams, for the most part, are tapped out. So you are not going to get... I mean, guys, the Boston Red Sox right now are acting like they play in Poughkeepsie. They're not paying anybody now. Do you guys think and Trevor... they traded Benintendi, who I, I like. I mean, why wouldn't you want Andrew Benintendi? Let me read you a text message from, from an agent from this morning. This is, this is topical. 
I heard Boris Corporation still has 20 free agents. I can only imagine the level of anxiety going on with those players and wives with a week until yes. report date. My God, that's correct. So you're right, Judd. I mean, just that agency alone has in the vicinity of 20 available free agents. That's yeah, nuts. Absolutely. That's pretty nuts. Um, what else, Dukes? You know, go for basketball. It's it's amazing. Go for basketball has a bunch of great wins this year, and yet they're very much a bubble team for the NCAA tournament. Um, they've got winnable games, but Purdue seems like you you've you've got it potentially as a make or break must win game. But uh, where where do their where do their NCAA tournament hopes sit right now? With I don't know a few weeks left in the season here. Yeah, I mean, they would need to win some games. Their net ranking is is 52 before today's game against Purdue. They're 5-7 and seven in the conference. Let's assume that they end up making up the game at Nebraska, that they get to 20 conference games. Is there a path to 9-11? and 11? I think it's a really slippery slope if they're 8-12 and 12 in the Big Ten. But can they get to 9-11? and 11? So can they win four more Big Ten games? Well, at Nebraska, you would figure that is a win. Mm-hmm. Do you win today against Purdue? You should hear. At Maryland, at Indiana, home against Illinois, home against Northwestern, that should be a win. At Penn State, that should be a win. Maybe. That's four. Home against Rutgers. I think there is a path to four more wins. It it certainly becomes a lot easier if they win today. I am surprised that the Gophers are a two and a half point favorite today. Purdue has back sharpshooter Sasha Stefanovic. He was out with, with COVID. He's one of the better shooters. He's a double-digit scorer. He's one of the better shooters in the Big Ten. He is now back for Purdue. Purdue was down double digits the, the game in West Lafayette against the Gophers, but then they end up winning by, by a good margin, end up just destroying the Gophers in that second half. This Newman kid ends up with a career-high 29 points. I just don't I don't understand why, why the Gophers are a favorite today. That being said, I actually think the Gophers find a way to win today. So call me nuts, but I, I think the point spread of Gophers minus two and a half is is interesting. But I do think there's a path to get to nine and eleven. So if they get to nine and eleven in the toughest conference in the country, mm-hmm. with all due respect to the Big Twelve, if they get to nine and eleven, I think they make the NCAA tournament. And if they do, Richard Patino is going to be back. A lot of people want Richard Patino fired. I don't I don't foresee them firing Patino during this pandemic after they cut programs. Heck one of Patino's assistants, not assistant coaches, but in his office, this this sweet girl, Caitlin, she got laid off. They've laid off people in that athletic department. Are they really going to cut Patino a check for $1.75 million to go away? I have a hard time seeing By that. By the way, so, I have no idea. I think Patino's back. I have no idea how much Caitlin makes, but uh, really, really, really glad the Gophers athletic department uh, is going to cut forty five grand <laughs> off of a – Staffers, you know, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. On. So, how yeah. weird of a look? They're not going to do that. Why something You're they right. care about? How weird of a look would it be to give Patino nearly two million dollars to walk away? Then, oh, by the way, if you're hiring Eric Musselman or Dutcher at yeah. San Diego State, or you name the coach, you need to give that coach a decent contract. I, I just, I, I don't see it during the pandemic. I really don't. Hey, hey Dukes, Wolves question for, for you off of um, the, the fact that I now watch all games and then text you during them. Uh, <laughs> I got a question about the philosophy that Gerson brought and and wants to run. And that's the point of what the Rockets did for a short burst seem cool and, and successful. But does that brand of basketball is that go, is that going to hold up here because if you have James Harden it has a better well, chance to. Yeah, but it see it also seems to me though like we're shifting back a little bit more towards big men and the game is changing back. I'm, I'm not saying fully, but it, it looks like what the Rockets did was replicated for a short term, and lots of teams got on that that idea, and now they're sort of like, okay, but let's tweak it. So my question is, does what Gerson wants, wanted to do fully translate to where basketball is going? I think it does to some extent, and I also think Ryan is on board. I mean... Let's include Ryan in this conversation. I don't think Ryan is running a system that he's completely against. You know, so Ryan's on board enough with with the way they want to play. Phil's right. Like, it worked to a certain extent. Now, it's not like the Rockets were were seriously competing for championships, but they certainly had some good runs. But it was James Harden. It was the right shooters in the corners. 
right? Guys that can knock down three-point shots. The Wolves don't, they don't have those guys. D'Angelo Russell, in his wildest dreams, is not James Harden. And that's why I think the roster still needs all sorts of work. It's it's a fair question, though, Judd. I'm actually talking to Gerson tomorrow at noon. I'm recording a Zoom with Gerson tomorrow. I'll ask him the question. You know, Gerson is is good in those one-on-one type interviews. You know, he's got a lot of politician in him, right, where where he's ready for, for anything and everything, and, and he'll be very political with with his response, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to, you know, force some, some things in there. So I will, I will bring that up to him, but yeah, I don't think they're tweaking the system a whole lot moving forward. As long as Gerson's in charge, as long as Ryan is the head coach, I don't foresee them playing a a completely different style of, of, of offensive basketball. All right, Dukes, rapid fire scoops to wrap here. What else you got in the bag? Well, I mean, let's just continue the, the Wolves theme, the trade deadline is is now, what, about a month away, give or take? So the Wolves are going to be active. You know, they're still looking for a power forward. You know, they have too many wings. Jarrett Culver should be back. If he's not back later this week, he should be back early next week. So would you potentially dangle Culver or would you dangle Okogie? But they have too many wings. Like Jalen Noel is a rotation guy. I've said that for a while. That's my guy. Jalen Noel deserves minutes. You know, the defense has a ways to go, but the defense has a ways to go for a lot of these guys. Jalen Noel needs minutes. So I just don't know how you mix all these guys in. So to me, you should dangle Culver or Okogie. So I have no doubt that the Wolves are going to engage teams on on some different possibilities to bring in a power forward. I don't know specifically, you know, which of those guys they'll end up, you know, dangling. But But I think that possibility does exist. I can't imagine that Glenn Taylor is real happy that the Iowa Wolves were fined $10,000. This thing just got going down in the Orlando bubble. They got fined $10,000. Four or five players had had a couple game checks docked. So the word is that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of protocols in place, right? That about four or five players, including local guy, Day Murky, who went to St. Croix Lutheran High School, University of Denver guy, they were all in the same hotel room, and and you're not supposed to have four or five people the in the did. same hotel room. Yeah, I mean, you know, pre-COVID, no big deal, right? But they knew the rules going into it. They violated the rules. But I'm just telling you, I can't imagine. I haven't talked to Glenn, but can you imagine? Because Glenn had to cut a pretty big check for the Iowa Wolves to, to, to play down there. And then all of a sudden, this thing just gets going, and the organization is fined $10,000. You cannot... Make it up. Let me give you one more. On the wild, I was texting with a player. This player believes that they will be back on the practice ice, not game ice, but practice ice as soon as Sunday. All right. Inside information about your favorite wow. local sports teams. It's Darren Duke. And no Wilson. new positive tests. So we know all the guys that are on the COVID list, but as of this morning, with 13 or something. There like are no 13, new yeah. positive tests for the for the wild. <laughs> Thank nice. God, it's almost the whole team. You can check out uh, Doogie has great long form interviews on the Scoop podcast as well. If you want more, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. All right, Doogie. Yeah, and Phil on that Ellerson Smith, Minneapolis South High School, Northern Iowa. He had a really good week down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He'll be a guest on on my next podcast. So he's training down at Exos in Scottsdale. He's been training alongside Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter of the Vikings is down there doing his rehab. Ellerson says that Daniil looks looks off the charts great, and he's forming a little bit of a relationship with Daniil, you know, one defensive end to another. He's been trying to pick Daniil's brain pretty good. Right on. Show me the money. Show me the money. All right, bye, Doogie. See you, Dukes. All right, see you, boys. All great right, stuff. Dukes, you can find Doogie, uh, five eyewitness news sports team. Every Thursday is part of Reckless. Reckless speculation. I think my Gerson question is now legit, though. Well, I don't know. I mean, philosophically, what the Wolves want, like the the few things that they want are interchangeable guys that can switch on defense. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to take a guy that might ordinarily be classified as a three or a two and maybe play him in a smaller lineup at the four. and, And they have a lot of those things, right? They've got combo guards. They've got guys who can sort of rotate between a two, three, and a four, and they they're trying to get more shooters. Jalen Noel can shoot. Carl Anthony Towns can shoot. Like they're they're trying to bring more shooters in. So they they want to be more multiple and just have players sure. instead of positions. Yeah, that's fine. And I think ultimately they'd love to run a lot of pick and roll with D'Angelo Russell. But then I think they would also like to have 
a lot of spacing and guys that can move the ball quickly and play at a fast pace on offense. Part of the problem is, and this is just, I am, listen, I am not a basketball scout, nor did I stay at a Holiday Express last night, but D'Angelo Russell slows everything down. Yes. Like he's, he's kind of an old school player and that he wants to sort of dribble the ball up oftentimes yes. and dribble the air out of it and, and, you know, and, and run his pick and roll and whatnot. Um, you you see when he's not in the game, sometimes you can the the ball starts flying back and forth a little bit more, mm-hmm. and the pacing can be different. That's just my own observation. But the but the Rockets, much like the triangle offense, the triangle offense has been tried many times without the Michael Jordan or the Kobe Bryant, right, or the sure. Shaq in the post. Yep, and uh, doesn't look quite as good when you're running it with non Hall of Fame caliber players. You could probably say the same thing about almost any offensive system. What the Rockets were running was both was mostly James Harden, four guys clear out in space. Yep. James Harden operates one on one, oftentimes without pick and roll. He just goes one on one, right? Yep. And then he would try to beat his man either to the rim or take a step back three. If someone helps, he would find the open man for a three. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like the Wolves want D'Angelo Russell to be James Harden long term, and he's not. <laughs> and he never will be. I don't think he will be. Yeah. No. I think you would have no, it took James Harden like six years to really become James Harden, and so D'Angelo Russell's only been in the league for like five. But it's just if you're if you're hoping that he turns into this beast of like a, like a top five offensive player, I just don't know that that's going to be the case. So that's my amateur. But besides that, things are going fantastic at yeah, Target Center. They are. They are going swimmingly. Yeah. Hey, real quick, one one last thing on this reckless speculation episode. Reckless. Speculation. We take people's trade ideas all the time on these Thursdays, and we and we parse them apart, and we entertain them. We probably received like fifteen different variations on Twitter, on Instagram, of the Teddy Bridgewater and number eight overall pick trade that was reportedly offered by the Panthers to the Detroit Lions for Matt Stafford. The Adam Schefter reported trade. Mm-hmm. So the so the, the Panthers called the Lions before the Lions swung a deal with the Rams and said, we'll give you Teddy, we'll give you the eighth overall pick, and we'll give you a fifth-round pick for your slightly above-average starting quarterback in Matt Stafford. Yep. And we've kind of said, all right, well, I mean, couldn't you just call the Panthers and get... And, um, and I think my question to you is twofold. One... What is the likelihood of a Kirk Cousins trade in general? And is the most valuable thing in that trade the eighth overall pick or Teddy Bridgewater oh. in the mind of Mike Zimmer if they were to make that trade? Oh, it's not even close. It's still, it's the pick. because the pick, I think he loves Teddy. He does, but the pick can be turned into to an asset that would be perceived to be a star. And Teddy could come back and at the very best be solid and very productive, but he's not a star. So I... The trade itself would not be made because Teddy would be uh, coming back here and guys like Declan would break out their jerseys and start crying, which is great. I mean, <laughs> no, there is yes. nothing wrong with grown men crying, okay? It's <laughs> 2021. Crying is fine. I'm yep. not looking down on crying. In fact, if you are, are tuned in right now and want a good cry, go right ahead. But that being said, the eighth pick and... There was I saw some pushback to the idea on Twitter based on Teddy saying who cares about Teddy? Teddy's not the point. You're just taking him back. Well, like the Panthers didn't call Detroit and start with, okay, here's the offer. We're starting with Teddy. And oh, by the way, we'll throw in the eighth pick. The call started with the eighth pick. So there is no doubt in my mind that from from Zim to Spielman to the Wilfs to Declan the most valuable part of the trade is the pick itself. Now you're just taking back a quarterback and a contract, which to me is, is sort of uh, on par probably more with an NBA type of trade, Phil, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it is, it is the pick and the likelihood of the Vikings trading Kirk is very, very small. In fact, I don't think that they are as much as we would like Rick to make the call to get the hall. I don't think that they are initiating the calls. That being said, Make the call. if you Get don't think ball. if you don't think that they are getting calls, you're crazy. They are getting calls. Absolutely. I, I, I still stand by I I think teams are higher on Matt Stafford's potential and just his For sure. the perception that he's been held down and by he the Lions out. and yeah. 
Um, something else to note. Something else to just just put, well, just put in your little pocket. Okay. Well, I think the Vikings are very much set in running it back. I think the relationship between Clint Kubiak and Kirk Cousins is is strong, and they're not they're not likely to deviate from that partnership in in two thousand. They're basically the same age too, Clint Kubiak and Cousins. Like, there's probably a rapport there. Yeah, I don't think they're going to deviate. Yep. However, okay, if you could downgrade slightly at quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater coming back and pick up that eighth pick and pick up a fifth round pick, so you dra- your draft capital goes up. It's a net gain for the Vikings, just on paper. Mm-hmm. And Clint Kubiak in Teddy Bridgewater's first year as Vikings starting quarterback was an offensive staffer and an assistant. Under Mike Zimmer. He was also an assistant under Leslie Frazier, actually, in 2013. Mm-hmm. Clint Kubiak was the offensive quality control coach and an assistant wide receivers coach for the Vikings in 2014. He, likely, I don't know for sure, also has a good relationship with Teddy Bridgewater. Who doesn't? So I'm just saying, like, I don't think you would just do it for, like, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's too much of a wrench. Too much of a wrench, unless you were getting a first round pick haul back or something. I think if you were to switch quarterbacks, it would be for Teddy Bridgewater, Deshaun Watson, and that's gone, right? Like, there's, we've been told there's no way that's going to happen. Or you would be starting over with a rookie. So I just want to say, like, well, Clint Kubiak and, and Kirk Cousins have a great relationship. Clint Kubiak and Teddy Bridgewater probably have a great relationship, too. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, that's very possible. But I just don't think, I, I don't think in the Vikings' mind, they have a true interest in trading Kirk. And, and I do believe that from a financial standpoint, it's very difficult. From my standpoint, though, if you get the right call, um, the quarterback carousel is crazy. You've got to at least be tempted uh, by a trade potential. I don't think that they would make it. I think that they, but I do think that there would come a time where if a team said, okay, we'll give you X, Y, and Z, that you could not hang the the, uh, phone up and say, no way. And I'm curious as well, the most important question to me is, is there a master plan to address the Cousins cap hit, not in 21, but 22? Because that's the one, that's the that's the wrench. And look, they, they could say, funny brought that up. and they could say in March of 2022, we'll address it then. But at some point in time, it has to be addressed because it can't go through as currently constructed. It's funny you brought that up. It's like the end of one of those 1960s Batman episodes. Next week, same bat time, different bat channel, the Purple Daily Channel. Will Phil Mackey come up with a plan to smooth out that Kirk Cousins cap hit in 2022? Holy shamoly, Phil, that cap hit is huge. Tune in because on Purple Daily today, which you'll be able to find Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com, ScoreNorth app, and YouTube, I have a plan. For Kirk Cousins' contract. I have a plan that doesn't involve a trade. Just going to gonna throw that at you. To the Viking Mobile we go! This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500. With available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX. With the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards.